Welcome back to Trust the Process Show for episode 27. For those who are joining Trust the Process Show for the first time, welcome. Trust the Process Show is a podcast hosted and run by me, Chris Reed. On this show, I connect with athletes, entrepreneurs, Navy SEALs, and everyday folk around the world that have done something spectacular. We're talking about awesome humans that have shown that uh, by trusting their process, they were able to achieve something that many people think is not possible. Today on this episode, episode 27, I sit down with former NFL player, Corey Jackson. Corey has now turned CEO of his own company, Quirks, quirks.com. We talk about Corey's story on this episode from where he got started pre-NFL, the struggles and difficulties it was making it into the professional leagues, uh, his transition out and retiring as an athlete and moving into an entrepreneur. We talk a lot, a lot of really great content here today, folks, and I'm really excited to uh, be able to present uh, this interview with Corey. Uh, But before we dive into this episode, do me a favor. If you haven't yet done it, I'm going to give you a few seconds here log on to iTunes or Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening to this, pause and subscribe to the show. Uh, And if you're really inclined and you really like the show, which I know you will, make sure you leave me a five-star review on iTunes. That helps the show out more than you know. And if you really like what you're hearing as well, do me a favor, take a screenshot, whatever whatever application you're using to listen to this today, folks. Take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram, share it to your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, whatever it may be. Share this content with friends, family, whoever may need it. Uh, This content is to help you learn from some of the best of what their process is and how to get to where you need to go. So without further ado, episode 27 on Trust the Process Show featuring Corey Jackson. Welcome to Trust the Process Show. I'm your host, Chris Reed. I'm joined today by a, uh, a brilliant gentleman uh, by the name of Corey Jackson, former Cleveland Brown, former Denver Bronco, and now CEO and founder of Quirks. Corey, thanks for joining me. Happy New Year. Hey, thanks, Chris. Pleasure to be here, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, we were just getting, before we went live here on the show here, we were just talking about, man, I can't believe how fast time goes. Um, and I think... Uh, Going into uh, the new year, uh, we're going to find that 2019 probably blows by even quicker. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, Corey, uh, just in case, I know we did a quick little overview of who you are, um, and because that's kind of this high level, uh, but maybe if you want to provide a little bit of background, if there's something that you feel I didn't represent or just that you want to provide to the listeners a little bit more about who you are, uh, I'd love to uh, open up that time for you here. Yeah, um, like like you said, man, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Quirks. Uh, we connect brands, companies, and athletes. So we work with tons of athletes from former college athletes to former NFL, NBA, pro athletes. Um, but, um, you know, we really focus on just helping those athletes connect with the type of things that they're interested, interested in, um, just opening up new opportunities. I'm a former athlete. I played two sports in college. I went to University of Nevada, played uh, power forward in basketball and defensive end and football. Um, and uh, just had one of those unlikely stories. Uh, 
I uh, didn't get recruited in high school, so I ended up working at Walmart uh, for a year um, and, and just really had a unique experience in that way. Um, and it, it really falls in line with what your show is all about, really that process. Um, not thinking, you know, I was going to get to my dreams and my goals. And, and one of those things when nobody picks you, like nobody offered me a scholarship, nobody picked me. Um, and it's about what you do after that. And I learned a lot from that experience and, and I'll be happy to share a little more about that. But, you know, that's just who I am, a, a person that became an athlete and, and had a lot of tenacity and, and kept fighting for what I wanted. And eventually, um, I kind of reached the top of, of, of my profession and, you know, realized once I got there that it was a lot more left to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very nicely said. There's, uh, and I think uh, we often look at this too, Corey, is um, what you do doesn't define who you are. And I think that's what I heard you said is like, you know, you reached a pinnacle of not many places a lot of people get to of being a professional athlete, especially in the NFL where it's, and, and the time you spent in the NFL, because I think the average um, career in the NFL is under two years or something ridiculous, where it's just yeah. like, you know, we talked about how quick time goes, right? Yeah. Like, that's someone's career, like, gone. Yeah. Um, you know, tilt my, head, tilt my hat to you, man, because that's, uh, that's a pretty good feat. Yeah, I mean, it goes really fast. Um, and, and, you know, when you talk about not letting something define you, it's extremely hard not to do that. Um, because that's what people know you for. That's why people get excited when they meet you. And you kind of build up this, this idea that that's who you are. And then it's snatched from up under you. And then it's like, who am I? Like, what, about, what am I doing out here? Um, and so a lot of guys, a lot of athletes have trouble um, with that process um, once it's over. Because they have identified with that for so long. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of where I'd love to start is when you made that. So like, you know, you're an athlete. Talk to me about that process. I guess I'd love to hear that first process of just going through that mental process of retiring from the NFL. Because I'm sure that was probably pretty scary in some respects, right? Yeah, I think for me, my, my path to get there really prepared me to leave, right? Um, I wasn't the most likely person to go to college, right? Um, so when I graduated high school, my guidance counselor said, hey, you gotta find something else to do. You know, your grades don't look that great. Your test scores are low. Um, and I didn't get any scholarships, right? So I'm working at Walmart going through that process. So um, a year later, I'm like, you know what? All the things I wanna do, I'm gonna do. And no one has to pick me. I'm just gonna pick myself, right? And so I purchased this one-way bus ticket to this junior college out in Texas. No one knew who I was. Um, and at the time I was a basketball player. So I get on this bus, it's, you know, I can only afford a one-way ticket by the way. So that's, that's the reason why the one-way ticket even came into play. Get on the bus and, and I show up there and call the coach from the bus station and basically told the guy, hey, I'm at the bus station, I need a ride. And he has no idea who I am, you know. Um, fortunately for me, he let me in the gym. I walk in the gym, the guys are playing. He let me go on the court. I started playing with the guys, dunk on three guys, boom. He pulls me to the side and said, hey, we want you on the team. Don't worry about nothing, right? Um, and so my process was always really tough. Like I had to really always choose myself. Um, and so when I got to the University of Nevada, I became one of the top rebounders in the nation. Um, finished my career there, um, averaged a double-double, didn't get picked by the NBA, right? And so I'm going through this thing again. I'm like, wow, no one picked me. Um, 
I'm going to finish up my degree. And one of the football coaches said, hey, man, you still got some eligibility left. You know, you should play football. And I played a semester of football. Didn't do anything extraordinary. You know, had one tackle, one pass breakup, one block field goal. You know, very, very modest stats. Uh, and then one day uh, I got a phone call from one of my coaches. He said, man, I have 30 NFL scouts up here at the school. They want to see you work out. And go no up, do the workout. <laughs> and um, everything goes crazy. Internet goes crazy. People are saying, oh, he's going to get drafted. Agents, all this stuff. Didn't get drafted. And so I ended up signing free agent. And so, and so that's kind of a long way to, to kind of tell you, like, I was preparing for this over that time period. And so when I got to the NFL, my mind was already, I started a company right away. I started uh, doing a lot of uh, networking. I started connecting with a lot of people because I understood my, what my process was. And I knew that that's, that was the solution to my future. And so I started doing all those things right then. And it prepared me uh, for when it was over. And, and kind of like what you were saying, my career ended before I knew it. You know, um, I was thinking that I was going to, you know, I got injured and I was thinking I was going to go back and play again. And it never happened, you know. And so, um, you know, that was one of the things, like I said, my background and those experiences kind of insulated me and prepared me to always pick myself. Man, um, you know, as you're telling me that story, it's, and I guess because you're a football player and you guys, just took like some serious punishment. Like you're always getting this like hit down, knocked down on the ground. And as you were telling me about your story, I almost got this like vision in my head of you just like getting drilled and practice over and over again down on the ground because really life in some respects was tackling you down on the ground. Like you didn't get drafted, you didn't get picked, but you kept getting back up. So I would love to, before we kind of move on of after that post NFL time of like, those moments when you get knocked down, that is when it sounds like that is like where you truly thrive in some respects. And I think it probably comes down to perspective. Uh, but what is that process? Because I think that's what truly holds so many people back is they get hit down hard and they're, they're winded. The, the wind's knocked out of them. They're like, oh, shit, I'm not doing that again. Right. Well, the first thing, the first thing, Chris, is I expect it. Right. I expect to get hit. Right. And so um, I tell people, you know, life, entrepreneurship, this whole thing is like football. Right. You're running down the field. So imagine somebody's running down the field full speed. Right. Fast as they can. But they don't know they're hitting people out there. Right. They're just running down the field. Happy go lucky running down this field, and then all of a sudden someone hits them from the blind side, knocks their helmet off, their face in the dirt, their ears are ringing, and they're just laying there. Right? When that person gets up, they're gonna never ever want to do that again. Right? But the person that knows they're hitting out here, they're hitting people. You're gonna get hit. You're gonna lose some money. You're gonna make a bad investment. Someone's gonna break up with you. You're gonna lose your job. The people that know that, they can go back to the huddle, regroup, get ready to come out for the next play. You know, and so that's my mindset. Like, I know I'm going to get hit. I know a key employee is going to quit exactly at the, the wrong time, right? Um, oh. I know these things are going to happen. And so I'm already mentally prepared for that. Man, that's, I think that's the key is that is that, that preparation, right? And even just, I think you hit something really good on the head there is just like being humble enough to say, I know I'm going to get hit. Yeah. Right? And I think some people like, you know, you, we go into entrepreneurship, we go into business, and we, we have this mindset, I think, of this. Maybe it's because the world's this instant gratification world now, but we expect to win 
the first try. And, you know, I've gone through this with my son with karate and that's what he's doing. And it's just like, no, but it's, it's not about just moving forward. It's about those moments that we lose or we don't. And that's how we grow to be better at what we do. And so it's almost like you look forward to those losses because those losses set you up. Yeah. I mean, it creates something deep inside of you. Like for for instance, for me, um, I knew I was going to be a professional athlete when I was five years old. Right. But I always played with my older cousins. They were older than me. They were bigger than me, stronger, faster than me. So I would lose to them every single day. And I would go home crying every single day. And I tell people, expect to win, right? I want you to expect to win. But when you lose, you need to feel that too, right? And so I would go home crying every day, but I would be the first one back on the court the next day, right? And so you develop this drive inside of you over the course of time that keeps making you come back. And I don't even know why I was coming back. I just knew that I had to come back. And eventually, even though those guys were older than me, when I hit about 12 years old, and these guys are like four, five years older than me. When I hit about 12 years old, they couldn't beat me. Right. And it was amazing. They was just like, man, this is crazy. This kid is phenomenal. Well, yo, you guys beat me into this type of condition. <laughs> you know, like they made me good because they kept beating me. And I think that when you look at life that way, I keep getting knocked down. I keep getting knocked down. It's doing something to you. It's making you better. And if you keep the mindset, and my mindset is always, I can't lose. No matter how bad it is, no matter what happens, that thing that just happened to me is the reason why I'm going to win the next thing. And I think that if you keep that perspective, it makes it easier for you to go through that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I agree. I think the mindset, and I mentioned, I think is I'm a, I'm a huge, I like to study people's mindset because I think mindset is, is what's going to set you up. Like we talked earlier, it's not about external barriers. You know, those bigger kids are your external barriers and they're going to knock you down, but eventually your mindset will outweigh them and it'll beat them. So it's, it's about this, but you know, what are those moments? Cause we all have them. Those moments that we don't necessarily think that way. Those moments of weakness where it's just like, fuck it. Am I willing to keep doing this? Like, <laughs> there's those moments, right? So yeah. tell me what those go through for you, because I think those are probably the moments that are the hardest, but also callous the most to yeah. really make that strength. Yeah. I think it's a, I have this thing. I talk about recovery time, right. And, and really recovery time to me is your ability to get back mentally to a hundred percent. Right. And so over the years, I've been really shortened that recovery time a lot. Right. Um, but it's almost like when you go out and you're on the football field and you make a mistake, right. And you can see an athlete make a mistake and you can see the whole thing unravel and they can't recover because they're thinking about it constantly, constantly thinking about it. And so they end up having a terrible game versus having just a bad play, right? And so for me, it's always thinking about like, okay, I need to get over this hump. Like I know it's gonna creep into my mind. I feel it, I absorb it, and then I spit it out, and then I keep going, right? And I think when you can stay conscious of that and you understand what's happening, like no, like like I have, the, I, was, I was talking to uh, some people the other day and the, the things that happen to you, right, can't hurt you. And, and people don't really understand this, but like when something like bad happens to your company or you, 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 you know, someone breaks up with you, whatever, right, whatever that bad thing that happens, it can't hurt you. What, but what, it, what will happen is you will end up hurting yourself, mm. right? Because now it forces you, it tricks you into thinking like, 
I might as well quit. I might as well give up. I might as well, you know, like it tricks you into hurting yourself. But right. that thing itself is not hurting you. It's just making you think that you need to give up and you need to quit. And so once you kind of have that mindset that like, no, nah, like this thing can't hurt me. You know, it can, it, can, it can interfere with me. It can distract me, but it can't ultimately hurt me. And I'm the one that's going to do the damage if it happens. And so quitting is the thing that's going to hurt you. Or giving up is the thing that's going to hurt you. Or lashing out at people, is, that's the thing that's going to end up hurting you. Right. It, it almost sounds like there's this uh, self-awareness of those moments of, we'll call it, maybe not weakness, but not full strength, right? Those moments that we feel that you mentioned, the, the recovery time, um, that self-awareness that you have of like understanding your situation behind you of maybe why that mindset's been altered in some way. How long did that really, because I'm sure that was something that you over time got tighter and tighter and more aware of, you know, just how your emotions are, your feelings, your body, you know, pain, uh, tired, eating. When did that really come into gel? Was that a pre NFL or was that something that you learned by just being around some of the top performers, you know, yeah, highest it, caliber athletes in the world? Yeah. It happened over the course of time. Like it, I, I, I felt it happening, um, in college. I felt okay. that happening. Um, but like I said, it's my experiences. So if, if you think about your life and if you can point back to, oh man, I went through something that was really hard and I did this about it and I overcame that. And then you can keep starting to see that. I started seeing a pattern developing. I saw oh, no one picked me out of high school. Oh, I was working at Walmart. Oh, I got on a bus. Oh, I got a scholarship. Oh, then I played football and I got to sign an NFL contract. You know, like I started like seeing these things and the momentum started picking up and I'm like, oh, so now when I see this barrier, I'm like, oh, I, I recognize it. I've seen it before. And so now it makes it easier for me to keep going through that barrier because I've seen it over and over again. And I think once you can convince yourself that on the other side of that barrier is everything that you want, you're going to keep going through it. I think that when you have to debate if it's worth it and you can't convince yourself that it's worth it, that's when you stop and that's when you quit and that's when you give up. But it, it, it was a cumulative thing. It happened over time. And, and I think you touched on a good point there of tapping into our past. And, um, you know, I'm a big guy. I love a good feel good story. You know, someone who like yourself, who's got knocked down over and over again and came back, you know, you're not the, the guy who was in high school was already being scouted. You know, you had to really work and earn it. Now, as I've like, you know, studied these people like yourself, um, and I think other people do this too, is they, they tap into their someone else's story to get motivation from. And what I'm hearing is if when we listen to these stories, and this is what I've been reflecting on for the last little while here, it's not about getting motivation from your story, but what it's doing is allowing us to think, what is it that we can grab motivation from our story and to be okay with those moments of like, that sucked, right? Because that's the pain that we feel. That is the stuff that we can tie ourselves to. But I can't tie myself to those emotions because I wasn't you working at Walmart going, shit, I didn't get picked or, oh, I didn't, I'm on the bus and I'm waiting at a bus stop. I don't know that. And I think that's what people have to remember is that we can't be motivated off your story. We can be inspired, but we yeah. need to be inspired to be motivated by our own story. Yeah. And, and Chris, you, you hit it like a hundred percent, man. Like 
because I have this theory, I feel like you, uh, one person can't motivate another person. And then people were like, what do you mean? Like people hire you to be a motivational speaker. I'm like, that's just a title like that people give. I feel like we can inspire each other, inspire each other to do things and be greater. But motivation is an internal thing. Like you have to develop that for yourself. And the inspiration is something that comes, but it, it, it won't last, right? Like inspiration is like, oh, that was great. And then you go back to real life and it's gone, right? And so you have to turn that motivation on inside and you have to find that thing, that fire inside of you, that even when inspiration wears off, you still can keep going and, and get up at five in the morning and keep going to the next thing, right? And um, a lot of people that know me think I'm insane. They're like, man, when do you sleep? Why are you always going? And why are you always working out? And you always, you know, meeting and doing all this stuff. I'm like, because I'm motivated. I'm driven inside internally. And it's not, I'm not driven for, for the accolades for me. It's really about what I can give to the world and what can I give to my sons and not even the physical things. It's the, the internal things, you know, like by them watching me, seeing me and they're like, oh, my dad, this was like this. And, you know, I saw something with my dad when I was young. I, I was very young. And my, we had, my dad had five kids. My mom and dad had five kids, right? And we didn't have no money. But, you know, like no money. So we were staying in like this mobile home, three bedroom, and it's like seven of us, sometimes eight people in this in this in this house, right? Or this mobile home. And my dad was working at this um, cotton mill, right? And I'm talking 16 hour days, 120 degree temperatures year round. And um, <clears throat> one day, to make a long story short, something happened within the job, and he was supposed to get a promotion, but they gave it to somebody else, and he literally walked off the floor, right? got in his car, drove off. No money, no job, five kids and a wife at home. Um, and when he did that, it wasn't the fact that he just did that, but the fact that my dad didn't graduate high school, didn't have an education, but he was driving past this building one day and he had this thought, he was like, man, I can put my business in there. But the problem is he don't have a business. Mm -hmm. So he goes to the building anyway, right? Yeah. Goes to the building, talks to the owner. The owner likes him. He's like, well, I want, the, I want the building. The owner said, cool, let's talk about the lease and how much it's going to be. My dad has no money. So he convinces the guy to give him the keys to the building, let him move in, start working, and then he will pay him later. And so then now my dad is in business, and I saw that with my own eyes. And I'm like, this guy put it all on the line. And so when people ask me, like, how hard was it to get on that bus? I was like, I've seen that story before. It was easy. I didn't have five kids. I didn't have a wife. I was 19. You know, um, and so that was something that changed my life. It's a legacy that your father left you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a legacy that I think your father left your, his grandkids. Your oh, sons, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, I think those are the moments that uh, really change the way we see things. And it sounds like it really changed the way you see things. Um, oh, it changed everything because, you know, my life before then – was we don't have, we can't afford a basketball hoop. So, so when I was five years old, my older cousin, we had to put a bicycle rim on a tree, right? Like we, we couldn't afford like a lot of things that we wanted. Um, and so when I saw my dad, and it wasn't even about, our lifestyle didn't change a whole lot. I mean, it got better because my dad owned the building. He, I mean, he owned the business and he did the thing, but it didn't change so much to like we're wealthy type thing, but it changed enough for me to say, I can control this. I can be in control of this. I, I can do something about it. I don't have to just accept what comes to me. And I think that that's the big thing 
that separates people. Some people just accept what comes and some people are like, no, I can change this, you know, and I'm going to do the work to change it. Yeah. And, you know, as you're, as you're kind of speaking there and what's coming to me when you're talking, Corey, is that um, we often live into our purpose or the legacy that we want to leave, whether it be for ourselves or family or just the world remembering who or what we did. I think often we get so, a lot of people get stuck into, what do I remember for? Well, I want to be remembered as an NFL athlete. But I think it's deeper than that. And what I'm hearing for you is that that legacy that you're, essentially you're leaving for your family that you've t- taken from your, your, your father and so on and so forth. And hopefully your kids pass it on is that there's just like resilience. And we, our legacy and our purpose doesn't necessarily, can't necessarily be attached to a material or a title or a, thing that was done it's bigger than that and i'm hearing that with you man it's it's that is the shit that will be lived on forever because now it is a jackson thing right yeah Yeah. that's true that's so true like it's not attached because the minute you attach it to something else that that thing becomes less important but when you keep it to this purest form like this is pure like this is like you know you know something that I'm willing in my life, you know, you know, for a kid to be 19, never been out, I'm from South Carolina, never been out of the state to buy a one-way bus ticket, don't have any money and show up at this other school. Like, it's really, uh, the story is telling you that, like, pick yourself, like, pick yourself because, you know, we get so uh, locked into somebody telling you, hey, Chris, I want you to be the guy. Well, what if no one ever says that, right? Like, it's, it's almost like when you're on a playground, right? We're on a playground, and we're going to play a pickup game. You have two captains. This person's picking, and that person's picking. But what happens when one of those two, per- two of those persons, like, no, no, neither one of them pick you, right? And you sit in there like, man, I don't get to play basketball? Right. But if you have the right mentality, you're going to say, well, maybe I can get my own ball. Maybe I can start my own game. Maybe I can pick the team that I want to be my team, you know? And I think when you think that way in life, you're never stuck. You're never like, you know, in a position to not progress. Um, but when you have to wait for somebody to pick you, you're stuck. You're like, man, if nobody calls, I'm looking for this job and they're not calling me back. Or if I'm looking, you know, like you're just waiting for somebody to come save you. And most of the time they're not going to do it, you know? Yeah. And I guess kind of segueing into almost what you're doing now with, with Quirks there is what do you do with some of these uh, athletes that are coming up? Do you find that any of these guys are feeling stuck? And is that something that your organization helps to like give them this transition period to, Hey, you know, like you are amazing and it's this athlete persona isn't really like as we've been talking isn't you yeah uh, it's what um, you can to ask you a question yes so 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 the, the the part about being an athlete is really interesting because of everything you gain over that process your experiences um the opportunities you get your 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 genetics all that all of those things that you you develop by being an athlete like a lot of athletes when we deal with them they think that stuff is just for them right like you know, okay, I was athlete, I was great at this, and, you know, I was able to communicate with people, I was a leader, I did other things. But we show them, like, how that intrinsic value is valuable to the market. And then we articulate that to companies and brands so that they can understand 
how that's valuable to the market, right? Otherwise, you would think like I'm only valuable as a football player or as a basketball player. But you can take those same things, all of those things that you you gained over the years, and roll that into opportunities with companies and brands and be able to create tons of value. Um, and so we work with them on that because sometimes it's not easy to see, you know. And then we work with the companies on that so that they can understand it. It's like, well, look at look at this guy, right? He, he, he came through these circumstances, he came through these conditions, he overcame these things, these challenges, and now he has all these things that he can give your company. You know, he's been a leader, he's, he's, he's uh, acquired skills, um, he understands how to communicate. You know, people don't understand, like when it comes to sports, it's high level communication. Absolutely. Um, you have to communicate consistently um, and you have to be very specific about you know, details. And so attention to detail, how that translate, all those things is, is amazing. Once we break it down, explain it to companies, how they like, these are the guys are perfect for what we're doing. You know, when I'm on the football field, I not only have to communicate to my, my D lineman that's next to me, but every play, play for play, I have to go back and communicate that back to my coaches on the sideline. They have to communicate back to me. And then in the split second, we have to implement and execute on something that we just developed on the sideline. Like, and I don't think people understand that, um, how quick that happens. And so all these things are valuable. And so we help those athletes understand like, you have a gold mine and people want to be able to use what you have. Who, who, how many people do you know that can have, like you take a, take a play, like a lot of our plays in the NFL have uh, checks, right? We have to change it depending on formation, things happen. And you have literally a half a second to process that. So the play goes from me going left and up the field to me going right and dropping into the flat and covering a running back, you know, like, and you have to process that in like a half a second, you know, and I don't think people understand how that, that, how that takes place and how valuable that is for me um, as a, as an entrepreneur, when I'm meeting with big companies, we have meetings with billion dollar companies. And when we sitting at the table, they're, they ask, they may ask me a direct difficult question, right? And I have to process that and come right back and give them a breakdown of how that uh, the answer works for them, right? And you do that right on the spot. And that's a, a conditioning that we've been able to acquire just by being an athlete. And people wouldn't think that that value translate, but it really does. Man, so it's really to sum it up is you take these athletes who have acquired all this skills, all this knowledge, and you're essentially showing them how their process that they've got to where they are today, how that you can basically translate that and what that looks like in we'll call it civilian world outside of like mm -hmm. the, how that, how that really opens up what they can do. Now tell me about like what, how that health and shifts for some of these guys or gals even too, if you're working with females is, as they all of a sudden kind of, when is that moment they, it clicks for them and goes, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think when, when, when we have, and I, do, I try to do as, as many one-on-ones as, as possible because I want them to see, I was kind of like, I'm kind of like the subject, right? Like right. I went through these processes and I went through these things. And so when we have these conversations and they understand like, no, you are me, you are me right? And so... That's kind of like, that helps them get it. They're like, oh, this makes so much sense now. Um, but I think it's foggy because you can't see yourself there 
right? But when you see someone that looks like you have been through your, your situation and you see them sitting there and they're the CEO of the company and they invested thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in this process and it's working and it's making sense, then you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like these things are very valuable. Um, and then also when we connect them with the companies and the brands, um, we prep those companies. We, we sit down with them and we help them understand the importance and it's not as hard as people think because you know a lot of the top companies um in in the in the in the, in the u.s their ceos and executives play sports at a high level at some point whether it was college or a high level in high school and they are drawn to that that energy and they live by some of those same principles and so when we had a conversation it becomes a lot easier they're like oh yeah it makes sense <laughs> love it man um as we get closer to uh, kind of wrapping up, wrapping up the episode here, Corey, I'd love to just ask you, what is one thing or a couple things even that could make even small changes to start to changing the way people go about their process? So a big thing that I've heard from you today is truly kind of tapping into those, those moments that define who we truly are. Um, what would be something that you could share as a wisdom or knowledge point that someone could take from today? Yeah, I think um, fear, right? Um, that's, that's a big, big barrier for a lot of people because it was a time where I didn't want to be vulnerable, meaning I didn't want to put myself in a position to be injured mentally or emotionally, right? And so whatever you're doing, you know, whether it's career-wise, whether it's, it's personal on a personal level, if you can make, if you can convince yourself to keep putting yourself in vulnerable positions, like, like when we meet with companies, sometimes it's companies that people are like, how did you even get meetings with these companies? Right. And that's a vulnerable position for us because we can easily get rejected, shut down. And, you know, rejection makes it harder for you to do the next thing. Right. But if you have that philosophy of like, no, I'm going to continue to put myself in vulnerable positions. Now I get to be in front of more and more companies, more and more people that possibly could say no, <laughs> right? right? But I, my, my mindset is I want to be vulnerable. I want to be in a position because that's the only way I can get an answer. Otherwise, I can just have theories in my mind like, oh, well, it would be cool and maybe it could happen because people say it all the time, right? Oh, I need to do this and I need to do that. But the reason why they don't do it is because they don't want to feel rejection so they don't want to be vulnerable enough to do the thing, but they'll talk about it. They'll say, oh man, it's, I could do this and I know I could do that. And But to the point, once you convince yourself to be vulnerable, once you convince yourself to start the podcast, once you convince yourself to, to invite the, 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 the guests on and do, you know, like now you're like, okay, some are going to say yes, some are going to say no, but it's okay. You know, either way, you know, it's going to be fine. I, I love that word vulnerability, man. It's something that, um, I've recently come in love with over the last couple of years of my own personal journey, uh, because I think kind of here you're saying that vulnerability is that is that moment that allows us to grow, right? If you don't want to be vulnerable, well, you better be okay with doing the nine to five job that you don't like because you're not allowing yourself to fail or succeed. It's yeah. just that status quo. So I absolutely love that, you know, being okay with fear. Fear is just something that we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, fear can lead to greatness. Fear can lead to rejection. Both are a gift in their own way. Yeah. And you can't live in the absence of it. It's going to be there. It's always going to be there. 
Um, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to feel it. Um, I think this, the ability to absorb that fear and do the thing anyway is really what's genius is that's the genius thing. Absolutely. Man, it's been a uh, absolute pleasure. And one last question for you, Corey, before I let you get on to your day is who wins the Super Bowl this year? Man, um, I, I look at how things are going this year and I think it's going to be a complete surprise, man. Like, like, and so because I think it's going to be a surprise, I, I don't think it's going to be a team that we actually expect to win. Well, unless you're a fan of that team. Um, so a lot of people think the Rams or, or they think, uh, you know, um, you got obviously the Patriots is always a threat in, in the playoffs. But I think somebody is going to come in like the Cowboys and, and, oh, man, that's... and, and really just, just surprise people. I, I just think it's just all about chemistry and timing. You know, if you look at, you know, the NFL over the last few years, the team that had the best chemistry and timing at the end typically came through and won, won the Super Bowl. So I think somebody like the Cowboys might, might do that. Well, as a living up here in the Pacific Northwest, as a Seahawks <laughs> fan, I hope you are super wrong for starting <laughs> game. Um, but I agree. I think it's someone, it's, it goes deeper than just the, uh, the numbers we see in the record. It yeah. comes very much into. So, but Seattle, Seattle's in the playoff, right? Well, they played Dallas in the wild card game on Saturday. So, so that's. I'm glad you said that. So, Seattle is a dangerous team. They're a dangerous team. I, if I was any any team in the league right now, I would want to play Seattle because you just know at any given time they can just they can just go off and, and beat you. And, and Russell Wilson is is amazing. Like what he can do is amazing. So if so, the reverse that. If it's not the Cowboys, it might be Seattle. <laughs> All right, we, we can stay friends now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, well, I appreciate uh, yeah. you having me on, man. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been a true pleasure. And uh, if anyone wants to get in touch or what are some ways? I know you have a few things going on before we really wrap it up. Maybe let the, the audience know. Uh, where they can learn more about Quirks or what Corey Jackson's doing these days. Yeah, um, Quirks.com, man. It's Q-W-E-R-K-Z.com. Um, you can go there and you, you can see what we're doing. You can, and, and if you're a company or a brand, you can actually sign up and we'll respond to you. And if you're an athlete, we'll do the same. Um, so Quirks.com is, is where we are. And if you kind of like good content, and, and, and I share a lot of content on different platforms, but LinkedIn is really a, a great platform that I use a lot. Um, so if you guys out there want some good content and, and really want to connect, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, that would be awesome. But go to Quirks.com and check it out. Awesome, my man. Again, I hope uh, 2019 treats you just as well as 2018, if not better. And I uh, look forward to uh, staying in touch with you, my friend. Absolutely, Chris. Same to you, man. Happy New Year. All right, brother.